Ahoy, and welcome to the Open Journal Blogcast. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, education, starting conversations, and looking at some of the tools that support our well-being as well. I'm Mike, and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Ahoy and welcome to the podcast. Welcome to episode 198. I hope you're having a great day. Hope your week is going well. Hope things are going good for you. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by another new guest. Lynn Rivers is with us today. And we're going to be talking a little bit about trauma and recovery. I, I've really enjoyed this discussion and I think it was really interesting to to have a think, have a reflection and, and discuss some of our different points of view around what recovery is and maybe our language and our expectations around some forms of, of recovery. Uh, so it's a really great conversation. I hope everyone enjoys listening into this episode and it might even spark some of your own thoughts, some of your own feelings around this idea. So if you are interested in coming onto the podcast yourself, sharing your own experience or insights, um, all the information is on the website, which you can find at openjournalbc.com. So go there, have a look. You can see um, some brief information about uh, former guests, uh, some of the podcast episodes, uh, and a, a little bit of information about being a guest as well. So I think it was really interesting to, to have these conversations and, and always kind of having new guests I think provides a, an opportunity to hear a new insight to hear new experiences um, and so I, I yeah a huge thank you to to Lynn for coming on and, and sharing that and providing a, an opportunity for us to to gain that insight and have an opportunity to to have some of these open discussions which I think are are really important there are still so many that are quite stigmatized or, or with kind of have elements of, of judgment around our, our thoughts on certain things so um, yeah, I want to say a huge thank you to, to Lynn for sharing her, her experience, her insights, and also being part of this this discussion. I really enjoyed it, um, and as I say, I hope you guys do too as well. I hope your half term is going well. It's a challenging week for so many people. So you might have seen that on some of the social media channels, I've been trying to share links to a few different charities that are doing stuff around food provision for for young people this week so do have a look out for those as well if you are interested um there's some really 
really good stuff but have a look in your local areas check some of your kind of local community uh, like facebook groups or, or web pages i think there is information being shared um this week about good places to go providing sort of free food for, for children and young people so a really important week for for so many people i hope if you've got a little break somewhere in there you enjoy sitting down and having a listen to this episode and as always please remember you're not alone out there Um, so yeah, just how your how your week or the last few days have been? Um, it's been great. I've been finishing a book that I'm writing and just taking a lot of time to dive into that and get it done. I'm almost done, and it's been a hell of a process because it's a lot of releasing trauma as I'm writing it too, like reliving certain things and be like, oh, there's still things to heal here. And so I've been doing that the last few days, and I have a really awesome phone call this evening that I'm excited about that kind of came out of nowhere and it's been great it's been like a really beautiful like time of cultivation and really like bringing to fruition a bunch of things that I've been wanting to come in so oh wow it sounds like we're kind of right in like you say on that almost the end part of that journey with a lot of different things coming together yes I feel this like I actually told my friend because she she lives in Sweden and she has all of this stuff that's coming to her too, like new job opportunities, new housing uh-huh. opportunities. And I told her, it was like, it's time. Like we've done our work and it's our time. Like mm-hmm. you can feel it and you can just feel that building and it just feels so good. Yeah. Oh, what an awesome time to kind of be <laughs> in that moment. And also to have, I guess, like that sense of awareness of it as well. Like this is, mm-hmm. it's happening in it. It's, it's now yes, is, yeah. is really, ah, uh, yeah amazing yeah I have chills thinking about it <laughs> oh it's just it's yeah I think there's there's so many times when I'm like every time it's great to sit down and talk to someone but so often it's kind of um like at the beginning or almost after a journey has kind of happened and we're sort of talking about that to be the kind of at the the almost the tipping point like oh this is it it's happening like it's about to happen now yep you're about to jump <laughs> oh how exciting um, yeah. So I guess kind of with that in mind, then just to hear a little bit from yourself, Lynn, like kind of who are you, what do you do and get a little bit of an insight into um, maybe some of those things that we'll talk a little bit more about in a moment. Absolutely. So my name is Lynn Rivers and I am a conscious media producer and director. So I do a lot of filming videos. I do things for theater. It just depends on who I'm working with, but it's all about bringing conscious media to the mainstream, like really transitioning like the old Hollywood style videos into conscious media and actually portraying messages that need to come across so people can learn to wake up to their own authentic reality. And so I do that. And I also am a a spiritual coach. So I help people tap into the spiritual nature of their being and access all of the hidden intuitions and the helping them overcome trauma that they have endured throughout their entire life and learning how to navigate it and to utilize that trauma in order to become the better version of themselves. Instead of playing the victim, they become the victor. And so that is one of my other big things that I still continue to do. And I write, I do a lot of writing. I'm writing a book at this time. And so, yeah, I do a lot of different things, but those are my main focuses at this point. Awesome. There's a few different things to to kind of really pick up on there. I think Trauma is a really interesting thing in itself to maybe kind of draw on a little bit in a moment. But what's it 
like kind of being involved with so many different kind of things like you mentioned the theatre side the writing there's a lot of different kind of projects I guess going on that must be quite a lot to kind of keep in touch with and make sure you're still getting that um, kind of the input that you want to have on all of those different projects. You know for me it's really not a matter of feeling overwhelmed by it because I always follow my intuition and if I feel like in this moment okay I need to write like it'll come through like it's time to write. I don't ever force myself to sit down and write. If I'm not feeling it, I don't do it. And it's the same with my videos. Like the second that I feel like this, this energy that comes rushing upwards where it's like, oh, it's time to film this. I'm like, okay, great. It's time to move in the direction of film. You know, and I, so it kind of like has its own flow throughout the work week. I don't have a structure. I don't say Monday and Tuesday is for writing or Wednesday and Thursday is for this. It's very intuitive and I go guidance. So the day that I feel like, oh, it's time to shoot this. I'm like, okay, great. That's what I'm going to do. And I always just follow that. So I'm always in my own flow. And if mm. there's some days where it's like, don't do anything, like just go out and play, go climb, go do something that takes me out of that workspace. And I follow it. It's, it's not for everybody, but yeah. it's definitely my, the only way that I like to work. So that's really interesting. I think I hear um, quite a lot from people when there are different tasks that are going on it's like oh, I need to be aware of I've got to do this or it's work or I've got to this deadline and I think often I, I'm going to sort of say often within the last sort of year or so when I've spoken to people so maybe not historically but more recently people that are involved with a lot of different projects do seem very aware of kind of when they're working and when deadlines are and so it doesn't need to be your focus because you know when that is and it is kind of like you say making sure that you are comfortable and happy and enjoying it and actually it's it's a really positive experience for you that needs to be kind of the thing that you're more focusing on because that's the thing that naturally we're maybe not doing as much of absolutely I think so many people they they try to shove themselves into structure because they think like society has this structure I need to be structured I need to do it this way it has to be this way and it's something that for some people that way like they do genuinely work best that way but for the majority of us we do our best work when we're actually wanting to do that work and so even in like big corporations it would be ideal for them to switch on and be like okay what tasks do you want to do today versus you need to get this done today and I think like morality rates and everything would just go up through every every aspect of the work environment because they would be doing what they really want to be doing in that moment. And it does, it shifts the entire energy of the projects that you're working on. You can tell the difference when someone is loving what they're doing versus what they have to do. You can see the difference completely. Yeah, I think that's a really big thing to get across. I think to anyone that's kind of starting, getting involved in lots of different projects. Um, I think I always think kind of particularly writing at the moment because it seems to overlap with someone is kind of doing something else mm -hmm. and they're writing elements of of maybe lived experience or, or certain expertise um, and they're doing that kind of on top of their their full-time job or different part-time work or studies um, and it's that first experience of really kind of having your attention drawn um, and having kind of time commitments in a lot of different areas so definitely something to kind of to keep in mind I think when people are getting started yes big time um so one thing that we were kind of touched on very briefly and I was like oh we'll talk about it in a minute was the trauma side and I think um 
for me that's really interesting to kind of hear a little bit more from you about kind of trauma in general um first because i think i would say we still have a, a lot of occasions where trauma is kind of drawn or simplified down to kind of ptsd that's trauma as as many people know it or understand it and there are so many different kind of strains introductions to trauma um and ways that people are affected so it'd just be interesting to kind of hear your insight into kind of what trauma actually is from your point of view absolutely i i think that one of the biggest things that you pointed on was about ptsd and there is still this stigma surrounding ptsd that it equates military that it equates you know war trauma and trauma and ptsd they they're directly correlated and so someone could have had a something happened to them as a child that may have seemed insignificant, right? As like your mother reprimanded you for putting your hand in the cookie jar, right? And that could have shook like that child to the point of having a trauma where they're afraid to do something because they're, they're going to get reprimanded for it. And that creates a PTSD because as a child, especially your brain is forming until the you know age of 16, 17 years old, your, your brain is still forming and taking in its surroundings and it doesn't solidify yet. So everything that you're learning up until that point becomes a trigger and we can have the smallest things happen to us as a child and we carry them into adulthood, not knowing where it comes from. Like a person, that child who stuck their hand in the cookie jar and got in trouble might not reach for bigger opportunities because they're afraid that they're going to get in trouble for it and they don't know where that stems from. And so trauma can play out in what seems to be the smallest ways. And yet it can also be drastic where it could be sexual abuse or gender identity issues or, you know, suicidal tendencies and all of these different bigger aspects of trauma. And when we don't overcome that and learn what it is trying to teach us, like understanding the basis of where did this stem from and why we continue to carry that into our lives and it controls the way that we operate. Like it literally PTSD controls the way we think and the way we move forward in life. It stops us. It literally halts us in our tracks. And it's it's so important to understand that it's trauma that creates the victimization within our being. And when we can learn that we're not a victim, that there's actually something to come from this and to learn from it, and that trauma is going to play a bigger part in who we are and what we share with the world, we can then step away from the victim mentality, look at it from a different perspective and think like, oh, this is for me. This is this is doing something for me and teaching me something about myself that I can share with others. Then we move forward in such a different way. And we actually release that neurological thought process that was holding us back because now we're creating different neurotransmitters and we're actually moving away from that. And it has been discussed so many times that PTSD, you can't change it. There's no getting through it. You just learn how to adapt to it. Mm. But in more recent years, they're finally seeing like, no, you can actually reprogram and you can build new neurotransmitters and, and it shapes you differently, like just completely. And it doesn't take an extensive period of time. It can actually be done fairly quickly with certain techniques. And one of the techniques I use is neuro-linguistic programming. And it's all about communication and how we communicate with each other and asking conscious questions to get the person who is in that thought process to step outside of it 
and to utilize it and to learn what it is trying to tell them. And it's amazing to see people when you ask a specific question and all of a sudden you see this light bulb turn on and they're like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. And all of a sudden you can see like through their eyes, you can see them shift and you know that they're not going to look at it the same way anymore. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I think that's something that anyone who has experienced any sort of trauma really needs to look at. I think it's super important that we look at it as a society because it's like it's so necessary in order for us to move forward in humanity. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Really, uh, a very knowledgeable reply, definitely more than I could have managed with with some of that. I think one thing that kept really came across for me is that you kind of mentioned the, I guess, the ability to potentially make those positive changes in actually quite a short space of time. Um, I kind of like thinking about almost the, the little bit before that of there has to be kind of that that self-awareness and, and self-confidence to come forward and um not even necessarily to seek support but to query maybe how you're thinking or feeling and maybe behaving about certain things um and is there kind of a, a way that we approach um I mean, we're talking about trauma, but maybe just the way that we approach people or the way that we approach kind of general mental health or well-being that prevents that sometimes. You know, I think we are always going to experience traumatic events. And and I say that with quotes because, mm. because one thing I can look at someone and think like their level of trauma is not something that I would consider traumatic mm. necessarily. However, the way that our brains operate is a person who broke their nail, for example, and is having a crisis over it, their brain is operating on the same level as someone who is actually going through a really traumatic event who, you know, is just like in a sexual crisis or something. Their brains are actually operating at the same, right? Mm -hmm. And so while I have a different view on that and I see like, okay, like we need to get to a point in society where we're not seeing these small things as... (laughs) a big picture, it does happen. And I think it takes the awareness to see like, okay, that woman who broke her nail, there is something deeper than that. Like there is something that's triggering such a horrible response just from a nail break that she hasn't accessed yet. Right. And yes, that awareness that you talk about, it's important for us to be there, but we cannot force people to become aware. We can't force people to to suddenly wake up. Everyone's going to wake up in their own times. Like that is a huge misconception that we've been feeding the entire population is that everyone can wake up and everyone needs to do it now. No, we are all on our own journeys and we wake up when we're meant to wake up and when we're ready to wake up. And so each person has their own time frame. And I think it's important to remember that and to not force it, but to conduct in like a safe space for people to know that you're having a crisis of some sort, reach out to someone, like just talk about it. Talk about your broken nail. Mm, <laughs> so mm. then that way you can start the process of someone asking you a question that might trigger the the beginning of where that came from, like mm, the, yeah. the starting point of that trauma. And I think that it's, it is, I think we just need to be open enough to have conversations that may not be comfortable. We can't expect people to hear or to recognize anything that's coming up, 
but we can get people to a place where we are like, Hey, let's talk about it. That's all we need to do. Let's just talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think you that's know? really important. You picked up on a really good thing there. And I think it's for me, there's also that's the, the side that you're mentioning kind of that timeline of it's going to take people different amounts of time or, or, or different experiences to get to that point. Um, and I think this is my maybe more personal view rather than an overarching thing of um, just because I think this is the right way to approach something or the right way to deal with it doesn't mean that that is the right way it's just maybe the right way for me and I think sometimes we think that because this is the way things should happen or the way that you should react that somehow becomes like the rule um, mm-hmm. And I think there's a big difference there. Of, I think you're kind of touching on that as well. Of it's that understanding that it's not always kind of I'm here and you will get here, but it's going to take you three more years. Actually, just there, there's different ways to get to to certain points and different point. Uh, that's the the point has been lost a little bit there. But <laughs> yes, yes, but... no, absolutely. And you hit on a big word, perception. We all have different perceptions. Everyone's going to perceive every single thing differently. And that is why, like, for example, with reviews and stuff, I think they're actually toxic. I think there is a, there should be a shift in some form of the way that we review people and their, their qualities or their books or their movies or Mm -hmm. anything of that nature, because everyone's going to perceive it differently. And just because one person perceives it as something negative doesn't mean that everyone else is going to and and it's kind of a toxic situation where we're like forcing people to to contribute to this idea that you're right I'm wrong right Mm -hmm. and nobody's right and nobody's wrong everyone is on their own journey and just because you are awakening to what you are and you're stepping into these aspects of your lives doesn't make the person who has been a garbage man for the majority of his life who decided, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go work at a grocery store. That doesn't make his growth any less. Like that is exactly where he's at and it's perfect. And we need him exactly the way he is. We cannot have everybody waking up to this big bum into like, you know, mind blowing awakening. At the same time, we are all an integral part of this world and we're all waking up in the steps that we're supposed to. And we do, so many people want to claim what's right and what's wrong. And there just isn't. There is no right or wrong. And there is no black and white. We, you know, we all perceive such different things from every situation. Mm, I think I feel like we could probably go on for an extended period kind of uh, <laughs> along this. Route. I think it's it's a really interesting topic to to get onto as to kind of how that would work even though that's I think we're both kind of on that on, on that mindset um but it'd also be really interesting to to almost kind of flash back a little bit and hear a little bit about um kind of your experience and what's led you to to being here and being involved in so many different projects um and, and what that journey's kind of looked like yeah you know it's it's a long journey and I I did have a lot of trauma for the good first 30, 32 years of my life, 31 years of my life. Um, I had a lot of trauma in childhood, illness, a lot of death. I lost my mom when I was like four days after my 15th birthday, my grandma when I was eight, my uncle when I was 10, my other grandma when I was 12. And it was just consistent. 
And then I had a lot of PTSD surrounding that. So I ended up in a lot of toxic relationships and had to create this loss every two years because that's what I had known. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I know what it's like to have trauma every two years of losing someone. So I need to set up relationships where every two years I'm going to lose them. Mm -hmm. So I got into really toxic relationships and then something happened one day when I was in my early twenties where I just felt this sudden shift and I was like, I need to change this. And, and I started thinking about what I felt I was guided to do. And I ended up in holistic nutrition. And so I became a holistic nutritionist very early on and utilized that because my, uh, most of my family had died of cancer. So I was like, okay, how can I utilize this and move forward with it? So I started helping people in that way. And then I tapped into Reiki because it was just something that I had been doing since I was a kid and not knowing what it was. And then I became a yoga instructor and then a life coach and then a massage therapist and then a spiritual counselor. <laughs> and then it was just like this natural progression of all of these beautiful healing modalities. And I, I kept losing myself wondering, like, what do I want to do, though? This doesn't feel like it's what I want to do. Mm. And I kept struggling with that. And when I was about 28, no, 29 years old, I ended up in a near-death experience. My liver was failing. It attacked the rest of my organs. And at the same time, my partner was diagnosed with colon cancer. And she ended up passing away. And it was the same cancer that my mom died of. And oh. so I was like, oh, my God, this is coming back into my life so I can heal it because I'm still attracting this for a reason, right? And so I ended up getting better. I did all of my own healing. I got better. I went through this weird time of being homeless and not having any stability and really being like shaken up. And after that, I just had this mind blowing awareness of who I was and like what I came here to do and that I needed to be here. And I went through a few more things with my dad dying at the same time that I had, um, a ruptured appendix. So I ended up in the hospital a week after he died. And I was just like, okay. I was like, okay, Lynn, you decided to stay here again. Like you decided to stay here. So what are you going to do about it? Like, how are you going to utilize your skills and your gifts and move forward? And I started realizing that everything that I had done, the nutrition, the holistic medicine, the, all of that was for me to learn how to heal myself and for me to tap into who I am as a being and to become the better version of myself so I can help humanity at a bigger picture, you know, and that is putting media out there into the world mm -hmm. that is conscious and being able to help people in that manner. And ever since that came on, it was like this internal yes. It's like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing. And so, yes, I do still utilize certain aspects like holistic nutrition and coaching and everything that plays into my media that is a big part of what I still do and it's just been this beautiful journey of waking me up like finding myself and learning that I didn't have to have romantic relationships in order to feel successful or that I had to be you know making millions of dollars right away and all of this stuff that you just naturally like accumulate internally from our society mm -hmm. and it's just been beautiful to like wake up to me. I fell in love with myself. And that was the key to moving forward in the work that I do. I couldn't do it without finding me first. And that's what I had been missing that whole time.
<laughs> and so that's where I'm at and what I'm doing now and sharing with people and assisting them in waking up to that so that they can live their own authentic life too. That's really interesting. Thank you for, for sharing all of that. It's really interesting to kind of hear that background into kind of how you've got to today. Um, it's, I don't know, I, I think I've, I've heard a few times sort of people talk about this idea of kind of having that time almost with yourself. And um, you spoke very eloquently on, on kind of how that's been really important to you. I'm kind of often left thinking like everyone really kind of needs that. But it's often only people that find themselves in kind of a, a crisis. Could be health, it could be mental health, physical health, different things going on. Um, but it's often only people that are kind of left in that crisis point that really invest and see the importance in doing the um, uh, like the, the mental work that you've been mm -hmm. doing. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if like do you have opinions on like whether that would be useful for other people that haven't experienced trauma or don't recognize themselves as experiencing trauma and also how would we get those people to kind of be involved in that or how could it be more accessible to those people that's actually the perfect question and that's something that i i do work towards now again you cannot force someone to wake up right so so there's this aspect where it's like when someone is ready they will reach out and the biggest thing I like to remind people, though, and it is a reminder that kind of sets that motion of like, oh, if you if you realize that you have the choice to listen to the taps that the universe is giving you, like the universe is tapping you on the shoulder and it's gentle at first. It's saying like, hey, like pay attention to this. Right. And it gives mm -hmm. you these little nudges and it's like you ignore it. OK, the universe is going to tap a little bit harder and it continues to do that until it's like a slap in the face reality check. And I like to remind people that you don't have to get to that point. You have the choice to stop and look at your life and make decisions that are going to better yourself before you reach that point of crisis. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing, the other side of that is because I always see both sides to everything is that it often does take a crisis in order for people to wake up because they don't understand the extent of it until that happens. You know, like so many people who are in unhealthy relationships and they stay in them until they have that crisis because they realize like, wait a minute, I don't want to be wasting my life. I don't want to be spending my time in something that doesn't make me happy. And it takes mm -hmm. that crisis to reach that. And so I'm for either. I, I love it when people are able to say like, hey, I'm not happy. I need to make a difference great. Like, let's start there. That's beautiful. And I'm happy that they're able to come to that point and to honor themselves because it is, it's, it's all about honoring yourself and, and utilizing your self love to make a difference versus, oh, I don't care about myself. And until I get to that point, then they make the change. That is like, it's unfortunate and it's also okay. Like if that's what it's going to take, then that's what it's going to take. And we're all given chances and we're all given different opportunities to wake up to different aspects of ourselves. And it's going to look different ways at different times. Very true. I think, yeah, it's hard. We almost come back to that again, idea of, of different journeys and, and going in different ways right. at different times. I think it's, um, 
yeah, an interesting, obviously a very key point, the fact that we're kind of reflecting on it again later on in the conversation. Um, so we've kind of picked up on sort of where where you are today. Um, obviously, there's a few different things that you mentioned that you've been kind of involved with over the last week, and I'm sure much longer than the last week. It'd be interesting just to hear a little bit more about some of those things and, and where they're going kind of in the future. Yes. So, okay. So right now I'm working on a documentary surrounding trauma. That's one of the big projects that I'm working on. And it is, it's about talking with people who have different traumas, disabilities, emotional traumatic events, physical traumatic events, just all of these different components to trauma and how they've overcome it and how they've learned to utilize it. And to what it, what it does is the way that the questions are asked is the audience will be asking themselves that question. Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, how is this affecting me? Cause I'm the, I'm doing the same thing. I have this same disability or I have this same trauma and it'll be able to turn them inwards. And so they're subconsciously going to start thinking about theirs regardless. Like it's going to be impossible for them to ignore that because mm. they're going to be asking themselves those questions. And so that's something that I'm working on right now. And I have no time frame on that. I'm letting it have its own flow. My book, however, I have been working on for almost a year at this point, and I've gone in and out with it um, through different healing processes. And it is about my journey as a starseed, knowing what planet I'm from and how I've came here and my communication with my home planet. And all of that journey through the trauma and why I experienced the certain traumas that I did in order to become who I am to Mm -hmm. serve my mission, because that was the biggest part of my mission and overcoming it is a huge thing. You know, there's so many people in the media where they have one big trauma, right? Like a lot of people, they have one trauma and they're like, Oh, I overcame it. And I'm doing this great things. And I'm like, shit, I had like trauma after trauma after trauma. And I'm like, yeah, I had to overcome a lot. And I did. And I'm proud of myself for it. And I'm proud of looking at it as my teacher. And that is what the book is, is it's showing people the complete openness and vulnerability of what I've been through, what I've experienced through gender identity since a child and all of these different emotions that nobody wants to talk about. And the beauty in all of it, the beauty in all of the pain, like there's so much beauty in it. And so that's what the book is. And I'm really excited to be wrapping up on it. I think I have maybe a month left. Yes. So I'm like, oh, it's so close. And, um, and yeah, and other things that I'm working on just kind of pop up sporadically. There's, I have a friend in Santa Fe, New Mexico, who is actually part of the Pol Pot um, in Cambodia and she's an amazing person and I'm going to go down and make a documentary for her to raise some money because she's going through some tough times right now and so I'm going to head down there and make a documentary for her and um, those yeah those are some of my big fun things that I'm working on though. That's really interesting you mentioned um, kind of sometimes hearing other people's stories particularly in the media Um, and um, it's come up I think in the last in the last two episodes, in the last two conversations I've had with people, um, the idea that kind of some things are maybe like oversimplified to kind of encourage people to be involved in this conversation. Um, and I, I totally understand why that happens at the 
kind of the very first stage but it's almost like we don't sort of move past that um Mm -hmm. and while that kind of those previous conversations were a little bit more in regards to um sort of overly covering um illnesses like depression and anxiety and avoiding maybe more complex illnesses um i wonder kind of when you're talking on trauma there it's almost like the simplicity is that there is one trauma rather than acknowledging that there could be multiple different types of trauma at different stages and that some might almost sit there as um like inactive until activated at a later stage or something like that that we're we're almost implying that the like we said earlier like it's not necessarily that you're in services but you've experienced this one thing this one thing is what is almost kind of set off this this row of dominoes in your life when actually it could be kind of multiple different things are we do you feel like we may be oversimplifying some of those things yes I think sometimes we do I think sometimes especially as a society and I would say the American society um there is this idea that how can I explain this? One trauma, like I was saying earlier, one trauma is usually triggered by something else. Mm. So regardless of if it's that woman who just broke her nail and that's like the most difficult thing she's been through to her, that's what she thinks. There are other things that happen as a child that stemmed that, right? And and we we need to look at it from a different perspective too of like what is considered trauma? Because I could sit here and say, am I envious of people who have never had anything difficult happen to them? No, I'm not because I'm so thankful for my journey and everything that it's taught me. And not having anything happen to you is a trauma on its own. Because you're you're not able to relate to people in such deep ways as, I, and, I, and I know this may sound like, not necessarily narcissistic, but I know that people who are able to connect deeply have been through something rough in their life. Mm. And I know that they've been through something by the way I'm able to connect with them. Because there are people who I have met where it just goes straight over their head. They have absolutely no idea how to respond. And you can't. You can't connect with them. And that I, I see that as a trauma by itself. Mm. Because you you don't have a basis to connect with people on other than the superficial mentality that is set in this world. And I think that's a trauma. So it depends on how everyone's looking at it. It's like we can simplify trauma into one category, but it is a wide perspective. And I I have met people where when they hear my journey and they're like, I've never been through anything difficult, they really just don't know how to relate. And that Mm. affects them. That Mm. really does affect Mm. them. And and it's powerful. It's it's just all about how we look at things. And again, it all comes back to perspective on what someone views as trauma. It's all going to be different. Everyone's going to see trauma in such different ways. I think that's really, uh, I feel like I've said interesting quite a lot. It's becoming a, uh, a <laughs> phrase. Um, is is that, that sort of almost like a mindset as well? Because I think I would say, um, often being involved in a lot more of these conversations through the sheer nature of kind of having a podcast is that um, I think you find, or I feel that I find often people are almost in the kind of two different categories of um, feeling like there is that level of kind of sympathy and understanding Mm -hmm. um, with people that have experienced certain things in their past or currently. um, 
and then almost another group of people that have that sympathy but also just sort of that recognition that journey isn't my journey and I think even within those people that are really proactive and really passionate about supporting sometimes there is still that sort of mindset that there there are maybe more similarities than there are um, amongst experiences and amongst journeys and a, a little bit more again from a personal point of view a little bit more that kind of the right and wrong way mm-hmm. to approach mm-hmm. things like oh I'm aware of this because I've had this experience and if everyone else had had it they would also do it this way um, and I do find it really interesting when people talk about that almost like a continuum of reaction I guess right. um, to kind of acknowledge acknowledge that and I think that's when I find um, real depth to like the conversation and to people's thoughts about not just what they've experienced in the past but their reflection on that and their reflection of the future and kind of hearing mm-hmm. you talk about actually the um I don't want to say the benefits of of what you've experienced in the past but the the um maybe some of the more positive outcomes of that that actually you you do have that insight you are able to reflect in that way um and be compassionate to to other people with certain experiences and I think having that reflection isn't that's not a given I don't just because someone experiences trauma or or something it doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to have that reaction so I think that's a really positive thing to sort of pick up on and reflect that again that journey side not everyone's going to be there and think that way no and and it does it comes down to empathy not everyone is capable of empathy and we need to stop forcing that on people and utilizing and saying that everyone should be empathic to everyone else it's like no some people literally don't have the the ability to empathize and it doesn't make it's not a negative thing where it's not I'm good, you're bad, you're right, I'm wrong. It's it's different activities, it's different brain activities, it's different spiritual activities, it's different everything that is cultivated within us. And we don't all have the ability to empathize. And I actually have an interview with a podcast surrounding empathy in the work environment and how we can empathize more with others. And it's like, people who are going to empathize are going to empathize. Mm. They're They're able to and they will. You And I think it's coming down to this, we're making people feel bad about themselves because they're unable to do something instead of accepting that they are different and they may not be able to access that for whatever reason, or they may just not have that activation and it's okay. Like we need to stop forcing people to become something more spiritual and something more evolved and allowing them to have their own time frame. Like we all will wake up to whatever we're supposed to when we're ready. And it is, it's just like, I can empathize with people on so many different levels, Mm -hmm. but that's because I've done my work and because I've accepted my journey and learned from it. Other people who could have gone through the exact same thing may not have worked through it and understood their journey and they may still be in the victim stance. So they're not going to be able to empathize with anyone. And that's okay. Like that is where they are. And I would not want to force them to say, you should be more empathetic or you should be more of this. No, no one should be anything. It's be where you are and offer what you can. You may not be able to empathize, but you may be able to pick up slack in some other completely way that'll be just as beneficial. And I just, I really would love for people to 
stop forcing others to wake up on their specific time frame. Awesome. I think um, I know we're kind of starting to come towards our time. I'd, there was something at the beginning, I think, when you mentioned kind of uh, some of the different uh, forms of support that you, you're aware of or that you offer. Um, and those might be a little bit different to what people have heard of. Sometimes they're a little bit, uh, I don't know, not the, the the first two or three things that are suggested to people. Um, kind of before we wrap up, it would just be interesting if you're able to kind of draw out a little bit more about those um, and maybe kind of lead into if people wanted to sort of find out a bit more, maybe some places that you'd recommend or even um, some of your own sort of website or references and things like that as well would be good to kind of pick up on. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I offer, I mean, I have a thing with the way people become therapists, for example. I, I don't think you should just be able to become a therapist because you go to school. I think there is a, and this is my personal belief, but Ooh. I think for a therapist, they should have an understanding of what trauma is. They are working with people who are going through trauma. They should know what trauma is because a lot of therapists out there are they're getting the education, but they're not able to sit. And again, here is the empathy aspect. That is a field where you should be able to empathize with your clients. You should understand what they're going through and how to help guide them in a different direction. And so there is there, there's that aspect where I do coaching from a perspective and spiritual counseling from a perspective of being able to tap into what they are going through. And I can do it on so many different levels. So for me to be able to sit with somebody and not only be able to offer them the support through neuro-linguistic programming, which is, again, one of those techniques that I use that is not often indicated. And it's still a very, no one talks about neuro-linguistic programming and the power of it and how it can literally shift someone away from addictive habits and you know, PTSD patterns within weeks, not years of treatment, but within weeks of treatment. And it's not only that aspect of it, but it's like the empathy. I can empathize with my clients. I can sit there and they can have a place to talk to someone who understands. And that has been the biggest thing for me. I, Before I became a counselor, I would literally have people come up to me in restaurants. They would see me and I would, I would acknowledge that they noticed me and I was like, oh, they're going to come over and talk to me. And sure enough, within five minutes, they're sitting at my table and they're crying, pouring out their heart to me. And I'm like, wow, this happens a lot. I think I need to pay attention to this. And um, it was because of that, that I, I did become a spiritual counselor because people felt so comfortable talking to me because I wasn't, one, I wasn't judging them on any basis whatsoever. And two, because I was able to relate to what they were and having that ability drastic, it's tenfold. I mean, it changes the game completely. It's like you are actually talking to someone who cares and understands what you're going through. It's not just a person's going, well, how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, how do you feel about that? You know, it's, it's genuine. And I think that is what has always set me apart. It's, my energetic stance and people being able to read my energy and knowing that I will be there with them and on the same page and understanding that they are going through something difficult and that it's going to take some some time to navigate. 
Awesome. And if um, if someone wanted to find out a little bit more about kind of the the work that you're doing, you in general, um, some of the kind of the services that you mentioned, where place for them to go and to find out about that? Absolutely. You can go to actually my website is www.lynnrivers.com and that's L-I-N-N-R-I-V-E-R-S.com. And you can look through the coaching aspect of what I do. And there's also another link on there that takes you to my Conscious Media Productions website, which is where I do all my film stuff. And you can, you can read a lot about what I do and where I've been and all the work that I do. Oh, awesome. Well, hopefully those guys that want to find out a little bit more are able to, to jump over to the website and find out and we'll make sure there's a, a link with some of the, the posts and stuff that go out with the podcast. But thank you so much for, for coming on and for sharing your experience. It's been really interesting to hear um, kind of that experience, but also just have a chat about some of our thoughts. And I think um, it's it's always really interesting we're able to kind of mix over that little bit of kind of experience um the, the the work that you're doing but also some of our our personal thoughts that we're not always able to get out while we're trying to talk about a few different things so really yeah, insightful for- thank you so much for sharing absolutely i'm happy to speak with you These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm. they can't appreciate Yeah, It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it.